Hello, I'm Daniel Snowman, and this is the third of our six podcasts about the London Philharmonic Choir. This one is about some of the great conductors the choir has sung under, among them Heitink, Schulte, Henstedt, Mazur, and others. Sheila Lewis sang under pretty much all of them, including the man who conducted the LPC's very first concert, the Italian maestro Victor de Sabata. Victor de Sabata was marvellous. We did a piece with him called L'Enfant et les Sortilèges, and he was wonderful. He used to stalk about a bit too, and his English wasn't frightfully good. There was that wonderful piece where he said, it is a sound to He sounded like an old man. He wasn't all that old, very hoarse. And he was magnetic personality. My very, very first concert with the London Philharmonic Choir and Orchestra was Gerontius, Gerontius, under Sir Adrian Bolt at the Royal Festival Hall in spring 1967. And it was wonderful singing for Bolt, um, whom people used to caricature as um, being rather formal and stiff and not throwing his body around when he conducted, rather uncharismatic. Not true. My goodness, watching Bolt in rehearsal, uh, he was wonderful. He had a wonderful ear, wonderful stick technique, very clear, could bark out orders. All the work went into the rehearsals, with the result that by the time of the concert, Bolt didn't really need to throw his body around and show off to the audience. to Vaughan Williams, from Sir Adrian Bolt to Bernard Heitink. Probably the most memorable one was Bernard Heitink doing the Sea Symphony. And not only did it get the gramophone record, the classical record of the year, I think it was, um, but also the whole thing was done in less, fewer sessions than we had allocated. I always remember Heitink, who had this knack. He wouldn't say very much. He would just look at you with a kind of hurt expression. <laughs> Plaintive. Yes, and you just, not only did you kind of instinctively know what it was that wasn't right, how you knew it, I don't know, but you, you just kind of felt you knew what, what he was trying to tell you. And then you desperately wanted to do it better next time. And he would get the, this quality of performance out of people without actually even telling them. Oh, yes, I remember a concert, one of Heitink's earlier concerts when he first came here. I can't remember what they were playing, but I said afterwards to one of the viola players, I, think, I said, you played like angels tonight. And he looked at me as though I were balmy and he said, well, it was Bernard. 
just as inspiring, though in a, in a very different way, was the great Hungarian conductor George Scholte. The London Philharmonic Choir worked many times with Scholte, including occasional pieces to Hungarian texts, for which, of course, we needed special coaching. Did you <laughs> yeah. the, the coach came along and said, well, there's eight different E sounds in Hungarian. And the, the whole thing was impossible. And eventually, at the piano rehearsal, Scholte just said, oh, forget the bloody Hungarian. Just sing that. I mean, Scholte, <laughs> Scholte was a man of extreme dynamism and energy, and he irritated people a lot. He was over-energised. I remember rehearsing a mile or two with him with the offstage band, and it wasn't quite coordinated. So he'd rush in and out of the festival hall, talk to the band, come back, give the baton to somebody else, rush to the back of the hall to hear it. Um, there was sometimes a kind of manic style to, to Scholte. He would walk with his elbows out, and he would play the piano a little heavily. Occasionally he'd say to the rehearsal pianist, you know, go on, let, let me, and he'd take over the piano. He would do everything. He would whistle, he would sing badly. Um, he had the, the gruffest imaginable voice like Toscanini, as opposed to somebody like Mark Elder, who I think would pass an audition for the choir immediately and probably be a soloist, beautiful singer. But Scholte, that kind of dynamism, that kind of energy, it infused and informed the performances. I know that when he was conducting Covent Garden, you know, a lot of critics found it too energised. The very first bars of De Valkyrie were too energetic, you know, nowhere to go. Climax is achieved too early in the piece. Having sung under Scholte a great deal over whatever it was, 25 years or something, first of all, it wasn't always like that. I can remember doing um, Mozart with him, and Haydn with him, and passages in Damnation of Faust with him, which were Eerily beautiful, and he didn't over-energise, and he had a sense of structure, and he had a sense of piano. The leads were there, the energy was there, the attention was there, and the results, the performances, were very dynamic. You are the rushy boy, don't rush. Let us break their bombs asunder. Let us, let us play. I must tell you a funny story because that reminded me of your horrid face when I come near to you. It's long time, 25 years ago. I did a Falstaff recording in Rome, an old place. And I don't know that you know very fast, whatever. There is on to the last act, there is an introduction, orchestra introduction, which ending our fortissimo trauma. That fortissimo semitrons. And it was lousy. So I went over the trombones to try to work with them, just, just like that. And the third trombone put up his hand. It said to me, Maestro, I'm sorry, I have four steeds. <laughs> <laughs> the super-dynamic George Schulte rehearsing the London Philharmonic Choir. One maestro who never did Messiah with us, so far as I know, was the late, great, much-loved Klaus Tenstedt. But what a wonderful Mahler conductor he was.
Klaus Tenstedt, wow, what can you say about him? Wonderful, wonderful conductor. Very inspiring. Uh, could be quite frightening. Um, but generally speaking, just a wonder to work for. He got more from you than you knew you had to give. Um, it's a rare conductor who, who does that. did always take things very slowly to the point at which you, you felt it, the music was going to stall and just fall apart, but it never did. And that was the genius of the man. Um, he was difficult to follow. He took um, risks. He took risks, that's right. He was very difficult to follow. He had a, a way of conducting with his hips and his shoulders that sort of wriggled out to his arms and hands. But was there a discernible beat? Mm, no, there wasn't really. Um, but you learnt... Well, not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you learnt where to look for, for the guidance of when to come in. Um, I think the... The bows of the first fiddles was always a good um, good bet, um, but you did eventually learn how to to work with this man, and he was absolutely inspiring. For those who joined the London Philharmonic Choir more recently, the LPO's principal conductor, whom they would have encountered many times, was Kurt Mazur. The concert that I actually sang in was Benjamin Britten's War Requiem in the Royal Festival Hall which was quite a special occasion because I think it was the last big concert before it was closing for its renovation. It was also the 60th anniversary of VE Day. Imagine the Britain War Requiem conducted by a great German conductor, Kurt Mazur. I remember at rehearsal, Mazur was telling us very movingly how, as a young man, he had been recruited into the German army and, of course, was desperately hoping that the Germans would win, and he told us, he said, thank God we didn't. Very, very moving occasion. Um, he spoke about his experiences, and I couldn't actually hear him that clearly, because I think he's someone that draws people towards him. His, ha his hand gestures are small, and um, his facial expressions are discreet, but you could tell that the way that he was talking, it was coming from somewhere, you know, quite deep and important to him. and. Coming from my background, which is where everything's been pretty easy, exam stress has been my biggest worry, you know, and seeing that just the memories that he was obviously he was obviously seeing when we were rehearsing was was again something that I'll remember. The end of the Britain War Requiem. And in the next podcast, the nuts and bolts of running a choir like the London Philharmonic.